Hey everybody, welcome. welcome. Welcome to another Breakthrough Academy. It's, uh, it's, I'm excited to be here again. I, I think I say that every week, yeah. but every week I'm like, I would, I would rather be nowhere else. I'm yeah. so glad to be here. It is exciting. The things uh, that we're not just, you know, learning things in the head, but like we're getting every, every week, we're getting deeper and new revelations, new understanding, you know, a, deep, a deeper level of, um, of, 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 of knowing God, understanding God and loving him and, and, and his covenant and all the good things that he has for us. And that gives us a foundation, yeah. a solid foundation. We need, you, know, um, you know, the parable um, where Jesus said, you know, the man um, there was, built a house mm. and then the storm yeah. came. And then one built on a sand and one built on, mm. on, the, on the rock. Uh, I think it's in the book of Luke he shares that same, you know, the same parables being shared. And it talks about... Um, the fact, you know, because in Matthew it looks like I, I choose here where it's rocky, mm. and then I choose another person chooses over there where it's a sand. Yeah. And you, but in the book of Luke it sort of indicates no, I choose here and I dig away the sand. Yeah, and I go good. and I go to where the the rock is. And it's there's a point where it's like we press in to the foundations that God has given us. And sometimes we've got to clear away mm. our own thinking, yeah. clear away our old ways of looking at things, and get down to what God says and do that. Yeah. Way. So, so I'm excited, and and even and even for next week, I want to be more excited. Yeah, you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. It, it, is, it is fun. And good morning to you, Judith. It's great to have good you morning. joining us. And um, yeah, it, it's one of the the blessings of something like the Word of God. It's living and active. Mm. Uh, it, Jesus, when he was being tempted, and he said, "You know, eat this bread." He said, "Man does not live but by bread alone." But yeah. and he quoted from the Old Testament but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm. It's interesting. He said, I feed off that which God is saying. Mm. He didn't say, I feed off that which God has said. Yeah, that's good. Okay, he didn't it's... say, I, I feed off what God has said in the Old Covenant. No, he said, I'm, I feed off what God is saying. And there's a sense where we, we don't feed off. What we're feeding off is what God has said, but it's not just past tense it's present tense it's alive it's it's active and it's flowing and it's working to, and it's true today it's yeah yeah so we, we we're coming today to feed off the word of god that god is saying to us mm. um and that's what you want you want you want your heart to be lord what are you saying what's what's your fresh word and and you and, and you find it in the word of god but it becomes alive and living yeah. and fresh so let's let's start with um, digging into the Word of God. Um, first of all, I want I want to share. We've been talking about covenant. We've been talking about how to enter into that covenant and live in the fullness of that covenant. Um, I want us to just look at a scripture, Romans chapter six. We were very much in Romans chapter four mm. um, before uh, last week. We're Romans four. Let's, let's... Yes, legizomai. Legizomai. <laughs> we, we consider. <laughs> the deadness of our body, but we consider the goodness of our God and what He's, yeah, yeah, what He'll do. Legizomai, um, let's, let's see if I can do it. I'll do a quick count. In the chapter 4 of Romans, Legizomai, the word is used 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 times. Mm. 11 so that's, times. That's it's pretty significant. It's a significant concept and word. Just just in the one Just in chapter, chapter 4. Like, it's it's really centered around that thought, mm. and then it's used again um, in chapter six, just once in chapter six. But um, and so let's go to chapter six, and it's in verse eleven. 
So it's building on the same sort of understanding. Um, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Okay, consider, and there's legism. Yeah. Consider, reckon yeah. um, to your... Count uh, yourself. I, I, I want to show you just um, something I just saw, the, um, I think yesterday or the day before, gosh. Um, these, I, in my, uh, okay, I, I have all these Bible translations mm. as we often use. I've got this translation here. It's called the Interlinear Greek New Testament. Uh, um, yes. probably, probably not much use to one anyone of my, else. One of my favorites. Yeah, no, yeah. so that, that's what, the, that's what if, if you're reading the Bible in the Greek, that's what it would look like in the, in, in the lowercase letters. The, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you can theo, uh, theta, e, o, theo, that would be God. Christo, Christo, that's Christ, and Jesus, Jesus. So, you know, God. Um, well, that's very impressive. God in Jesus Christ. And then um, our Curio, our Lord. Um, so, you know, so if you can read the Greek letters, you can do some of this. Um, that's the Greek, but this is down underneath is an interlinear, which takes all those words that, which are above, and it gives you the, the number that they are, but also gives you the grammar, which I'm not really strong on. So this is, you know, what type of grammar it is. And then it says, that's the word that you'll find in the dictionary. Because, uh, for instance, if you won't find um, the word uh, running in, a Greek, in an English dictionary. You don't look up running. Right. You look up run. Okay. All right. You don't look up ran. Uh, you look up run. So there's no tenses as such. Well, it, it's... In the dictionary, you just have the, the, the core one, okay. and then all the other ones are in that. You don't have, you don't have 27 entries for right. run, ran, running. You, know, you don't have all the options. <laughs> you just have one yeah. because every other word is a derivative yeah. from that. Yeah. Okay? It so, makes sense, really. <laughs> so th what they do here is they, they do it in the first person. Because um, you know, in Greek, the, the, the words um, I run, we run, you ran, mm. that's all built into the same word. Yeah. We, we have one word, run, and yeah. then I have all the X's. In the Greek, it's the ending. This, is, this letter here on the end tells you um, who's doing it. Okay. Okay, so it's combined in. So if it's you know, plural, if it's singular, it's us, them, and all the mm. rest. So again, you don't want to have all those words in the dictionary. So you just have the one. So when they put it in the dictionary, they just put it the singular, mm. you, it's about, and that's it. So there, that, there's the word legizomai. So that's how it appears. That's its derivative. That's how that's the actual word in the dictionary. And then under here is a just a basic meaning. They're not. It's nothing to do with the context. It's just a sort yeah. of a meaning. And look at what the word they, they say to take an inventory. Mm. I've never seen that definition before. Yeah, that's, that's so, good. So to take an inventory. You know, so you know everything of of what you have. Is that? Yeah, it's like to to stop and to to check and to take. You know, because when, when we say we say take credits, you know, if I put fifty dollars in, yeah. I mean, oh, it's a take stock. Open up your storeroom, mm. see what you've got, and then to write it down yeah. and to understand it. But it's not like, oh, I wish I had fifty bags of flour. I wish I had a hundred cans of beans. It, that's that's not how an inventory mm. works. No, an inventory and in and an inventory doesn't also say, oh, you know, in next week we're going to get three. No, no. An inventory says, this is what is in the storeroom mm. right now. So that way I know we're running low on beans. Yeah. And we need to, you, know. You, know, you know how far you can go with something. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's We've got out. so much here. We're out of this. 
oh, we've got an abundance of this. So, an inventory mm. tells you what is there. But it's an inventory is not just the stock. This is the, the thing about legizomai. It's not just what is there. It's me knowing what is there. Yeah, there's no, there's no um, like, unknowns. Well, it, 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 it involves you, me yeah. actively becoming aware. Just because I've got something, I could have a storeroom full of stuff. That's not the issue. Because mm. a storeroom full of stuff doesn't, doesn't help if I don't know what's in it. True, yeah. And if I don't actively know clearly what's in it. Yeah. So that I'm the chef doing the work out in the kitchen and it doesn't matter what's in stock if I don't know it. Yeah. If, if you don't know what's in there, you'll never go in there to get the provision and you'll be like, I don't have this. Why don't I have this? It's been in the store the whole time. Exactly. But you haven't legizomite. You haven't counted, considered, weighed up. And so you just don't know. That's right. But it's there. So, so you know, say, hey, Josh, we've got a whole lot of people coming over. Can we have apple pie for dessert? You go, oh, I don't know. I don't th I think so. Mate. I don't know. But, hey, no, if I've done a, an inv inventory, I say, oh, I've got 20 cans of mm. pineapple. Yeah. And I've got, you know, plenty of pastry. Yes, we can. And I will be able to get, and I don't. I can commit to it even before I've gone to the into the storeroom because mm. I know. Yeah. Because I know that I know. But if I haven't been in the storeroom for two years, and I don't know, has all the pineapple been used? I knew. I think we had some. I'm not sure whether there's any more there. Um, it's like ah, oh, inventory. I think it's a great word. Yeah. I've never, I've never, I've never seen that. But legizomai has that sense of it's, it's a mental. Checking, because remember, logismi, you know, that, that's the word logis, logic, where we get mind, it's mm. the understanding, it's an application. So it's not just what's there, it's the fact that we have applied ourselves to understanding yeah. it and looking at it. But an inventory is an actual list. Of, you, um, I used to think, you know, um, that a little bit like some of the, the pe preachers, they'd preach about the good things that God wants to do. And I think, oh, that's really nice. I want good things too. Mm. You want good things. They're preaching out of what we want. Yeah. It'd be nice to have this. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to be like this? Well, wouldn't it be wonderful? And we're preaching out of our um, desire. And then I can understand, no, no, you can't preach out of desire. And they're not preaching out of, they're preaching out of inventory. Yeah. They've gone and found out what God has said. And you can't preach beyond that and you shouldn't preach under it. Yeah. <laughs> you, should, you should stay and just go hard with what God has said about your life. And so, um, you know, I, I, it was a, a, a nice concept, inventory. You know, I, I, let's do an inventory. Let's, let's have a clear and accurate inventory about what God has done for us. But, and our inventory can't be based on our feelings. Yeah. Feelings don't change your inventory. I feel like I've got a stack of stuff in my um, storeroom. I, or I feel like my storeroom's empty. That those two things are totally irrelevant. Mm. They might be irrelevant to what's in the storeroom, yeah. But they become relevant to how I live. Mm, because if so I good. say I've got nothing, I feel like I've got nothing in the storeroom, and then someone says, "Can we come? You know, can I have apple pie?" You say, "Ah, oh, I don't think we've got apple pie. I'm gonna, you know, we're just gonna have to have dry bread again. Yeah. You know, we're gonna have to do this. You know, or you know. So I can't. It, it, my feelings are really irrelevant mm. um, but if i don't take my feelings under control and do inventory and logism yeah i will be restricted and be full or yeah. i'll say oh yes this is what's in there and um i'll be left high and dry because i've i've, I've been proclaiming things that are not part of yeah if i say my inventory you know in my inventory god has promised we'll never have any troubles again 
Good luck. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, all the best with that, you know. My God, in my inventory, God has promised that I will only, only ever see good things happen in my life while I'm here on earth. And I'm like, well, that's not in the inventory. Yeah. You might feel that, but that will cause you disappointment yeah. because you, you're seeing something that's not there. Mm. But if you sort of say, oh, my inventory is, you know, we've just got to struggle and just do get by with the yeah. bare minimum. Well, that's not in the inventory, but that's how my, my mindset shapes me and then that shapes the way I live. And you can, like, acknowledge a reality or how you're feeling. That's fine. As I said this on the offering message on Sunday, so yeah. long as you consider what God has said yeah. or what God has done for you. It's like with Abraham, he considered the deadness of his body. Yeah, that's but unwavering in faith, he believed God. And then that was counted to him. So that, that's what was in the, the inventory. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Let's just, Romans 4.19 is a scripture Joshua said, without, without being weak in faith, Abraham considered his own body as dead because he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Um, um, and that, that's by the way that word considered there is not um, legizomai yeah. <laughs> but he just looked at his own body and says it's dead um, and he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb but that was like recognising those things but he didn't become weak in faith because that's not where his faith was mm. he didn't put it in that he said okay I recognise that I recognise but in the storeroom this is what I have do you know what I mean? Yeah. In the storeroom, I recognize this. You know, this this is telling me this. This is telling, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my bench here and it's like empty apple tin, empty apple tin, empty apple tin. But, you know, in the storeroom, I know I've got 50 apple tins. Mm. I've got a child that's going to be born. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a, we've got a baby that's going to be born and it's in that storeroom God has promised and I, it will come out. Do you know what I mean? It will, mm. when I, it will come out at the right time. That's really good. So um, let's just go back to Romans 6. Um, so it says... Consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ. So therefore it says, don't let your sin reign in your mortal body so you obey its desires and don't present... Um, let me just get the right... Um, don't present your members to sin as instruments to be used for unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. Hey, I've got it working. I wanted to just draw. I just want to highlight a little word here. One little word, tiny little word, as. All right, present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. All right. Um, God says, when you come to me, ready to, let's do this, but not, not, like, not like in the flesh. It's like, okay, let's. Let's get this done, Josh. Mm. You know, let, let's make this happen. Yeah. Come on, Josh. God says, okay. He says, when you come, um, let me say, let me give you an example. Let me say, okay, I've got we've got Jay and and Sandy here, and um, good morning. We're ready to go. And okay, okay, so the three of you, I want you to be come here first thing tomorrow morning, and we're going to work in the garden. All right. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out there in the garden. Come, ready. To work in the garden, and um, I want you, and and so, but but the, I, I want you not just to come, I want you to come in a particular way. I want mm. you to be ready. You know what yeah. I mean? Okay. And um, so tomorrow morning, um, you turn up, and um, Josh, you're in you're in your um, your thongs and your 
a hazmat suit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, from those in America, um, in your flip-flops, <laughs> um, you're, 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 you're ready for the beach. Yeah. you got your, your board shorts on yep. and a singlet. My sunscreen. And sunscreen. And you, you're, um, Jordan turns up and he's got work boots and overalls and gloves. You know, he's ready to... Something's wrong with Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> um. And it's like, oh, what, what's happened? It's how you've turned up. Yeah. How you've prepared, how, how you've brought, how, how you've come, how you, what, what you're ready to do. All right. God says, when you present yourselves, I want you to do it as this kind, as this, as those who are alive from the dead. There are Christians that turn up and they say like this. They, 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 they come. They say, I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just the worm in the eyes of God. I, I am just... I, I am, um, I'm a conflicted soul who is just bound by the flesh, but I'm grateful that God has saved me. Here I am. It's always the uh, the dip, but we'll go here, and we did yeah. it again. And it's just like I, this is who I am. I'm I'm actually a um, I'm a, a perpetual, you know. A, a, What's it, mm. like a, a perpetual sinner? Mm. I struggle. This is this is who I am. This is the difficulties. I always do this. Mm. Um, but thank God for I'm His not, grace. I'm not worthy, but thank you God yeah, for Your grace. I'm not worthy. I'm just here by His grace. Mm. All right. Um, so some people think that's that's a that's a great way to come to God. Do you know that? So that's that's yeah. how we should come to God. That's humility. They think that's. True humility. <laughs> yeah, that's humility. There's a person who's not getting ahead of themselves. Mm. They, they, I, I am, I am nothing except for God. I'm just a lousy flesh, Adam-born human, living out of my flesh. But God, in His grace, has saved me. Mm. And I think that's really good. I'm coming to God in a way that He's really going to be pleased with. It sounds like it's the right thing to say. Yeah, but that's like coming to the gardening. And I say, and but to say, I say, Josh, I sent you a pair of overalls. Mm. I gave you boots. Yeah. I gave you gloves. I've sent you on a four-week training course on how to um, do gardening. Mm. And then you turn up and you say, but this is how I was before you found me. <laughs> I'm just a beach man, you know. Yeah. And I say, well, no, no, I've given you everything needed. Mm. And and it's not like, and, and that's sort of a bit of, a, uh, it's not quite a good analogy because it's sort of a little bit about being outside and external. Um, in fact, I love what Paul said. Um, um, uh, verse 19. Let's really quick. Um, I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. Um, and this you know, look at the Holman. I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. Um, or the Living Bible. I speak this way using the illustration of slaves and masters because it's easy to understand. Um, in other words, sometimes we share an illustration because it helps us to understand, mm. but it's not a great illustration. Yeah. It's not a perfect illustration. You can't dig down too deep. Mm. So my garden illustration Coming as a guard, don't dig too deep into it. Do you know what I mean? Because this is all about a heart issue and other things. But I'm trying to tell you that when you turn up, God has an expectation 
for how you're to turn up. Mm. He tells you, this is how I want you to come. And, how, and so let's look, go back. What does he say? He doesn't say we're gardening clothes. Um, it says, present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. Present yourselves as those who are alive from the dead. In other words, come to God and say, I am healed and mm. cleansed and forgiven and been made alive. Yeah. I've, I'm free from sin. Yeah. And you say, oh. That's good. But, you know, you know what I did last Tuesday? You know, like, you know, remember what happens on, on Thursday? Do you want to? God's like, don't bring that to me. Don't come to me with that. Now, we're not saying f- just ignore it and cover it. Mm. There is process for yeah. dealing with it. But he said, when, I want, when, I, when you come to me ready to be used, I want you to come as someone who's alive from the dead. Mm. And I, no, it doesn't say present yourself to God as those who want to be alive from the dead mm. or are becoming alive from yeah. the dead. It says those who are mm. alive from the dead. In other words, he says, I want you to come in what I've already done for you. Mm. I want you to come in that. I want that's, that's how you approach me. You, you approach me. And, and so when we say, oh, I'm nothing, I'm, God's like, that's not how I told you to come. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, come with this type of approach. You say, God, I thank you that you have redeemed me. You have paid for all my sin. I am forgiven. I ha- I'm righteous in, in the same righteousness that Jesus has. Yeah. That's my righteousness. I am coming as a, a son. I'm going, Abba, my dear daddy. I'm coming with a, a, a relationship with you. I'm coming. And you, and. And then the devil's and the devil's always on your shoulder saying, but what about, what about? And you say, and I just declare, this is who I am. Mm. This is what I bring. Yeah. This is how I am. The devil said, but what about? And that's not, it's not relevant. It's not relevant. Yeah. It's how I come in. Right. I, 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 um, I, when I was um, growing, um, a teenager, and um, I listened to some teaching on covenant by a man called Malcolm Smith and a great Bible teacher, that, and I had cassettes, so I just listened to them over and over. And um, he taught on um, the covenant of David um, and Jonathan. In fact, let, let's, let's actually look at this because this, this is a little bit about how, you to, how we're to come. How we're to come. Um, let's go to chapter 4 of 2 Samuel. <laughs> let's go to chapter 4 of 2 Samuel. That's not very helpful to give the chapter first. Let's go to the fourth verse of <laughs> chapter 4 of the book of Samuel. If we, if we always Samuel. went from the verse first. Yeah, you've got a lot of choices I don't there. know if we'd ever get there. So 2 Samuel 4, 4. Um, So now, just trying to work how far back to go. We have um story of David and effectively Saul. God, um, the Israelites said, give us a king. God says, you don't need a king. They said, give us a king. So they said, all right, I'll give you a man called Saul. And um, he'll become your king. And he led them and into victory over the Philistines, and they said, amazing, this is our king. But Saul had 
pride problems. Mm. He had um, difficulties that uh, disobedience, mm. and so eventually, God said um, to uh, Samuel the prophet, "I'm I'm setting aside Saul. I'm going to anoint someone else." Mm. And Samuel's pretty upset, but he goes and God's command. He finds a man, and then he, and then he anoints his younger son David to be king. Mm. But he's been anointed to be king, but he's not straight away mm. in the kingship. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There's like sometimes we've been anointed to something, yeah, but we're not straight away into yeah. it. And then eventually, um, he gets raised up. Saul um, is intensely jealous of him, but Saul has a son, Jonathan, and it says Jonathan loved David. Mm. He's like. We 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 get on. We we see. You know, we have the same covenant relationship, yeah. understanding, and it says that J- Jonathan and David um, actually made a covenant together. Um, let me see if I can. Get up. All right. We can just do a quick of the covenant part. First Samuel eighteen, verse three to four. And I'll jump out of. Um, so David's having to run from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. But it says, "Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself." Mm. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. These are covenant actions mm. of exchange yeah. that you become my identity, my weapons, my everything's now with you. Um, so he, he and David had cut a covenant. And if you go down to verse 9... Um, uh, but Saul looked at David with suspicion. Do you know what I mean? So da- Saul and David are not getting on. And um, and the servants of Saul are reporting to him all these words which David spoke. So they're, they're, it, it's not good. Mm. It's not. He hated David. He's working this through. So he has cut a covenant with David. All right. Now, let's go back to 2 Samuel 4.4. 4. This is after the... Um, going to do it again. Chapter 3, verse 1. Saul and Jonathan have both been killed in battle. Mm. And it, but, so Saul's son became king. They didn't straight away go to David. Yeah. Now, there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David grew steadily stronger, but the house of Saul grew steadily, grew weaker continually. And so David is growing, and um, there's this war. So chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son. So Jonathan and David have made a covenant. And now Jonathan has a son mm. who is crippled in his feet because when he was five years old, the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. In other words, when, when, they, when the report came to the house of Saul that um, Saul and Jonathan were dead, his nurse took up his, um, Jonathan's son and fled. 
Why would they run? Because they have been forever told in that household that David is the enemy. Mm. David is David is the David is the enemy. Yeah. And when when Jonathan and Saul both die, they think we are defenseless. Mm. We're in trouble. He's coming for us now. We're gonna, you know, he'll come and take over and, and get rid of us. Mm. So his nurse says we've got a quick, and it's like quick evacuation. So the nurse grabs the five-year-old, took him up and fled. And it happened that, and in her hurry to flee. He fell, she dropped him, mm. and he landed on his legs and damaged his legs, and he was crippled. And he grew up crippled. The name of this son, Mephibosheth. All right? So Mephibosheth. So now we, we lock Mephibosheth in. Um, Mephibosheth. Not a name that you say too fast. Yeah. I, I, some, when I preach this name, I, I, I normally start well and I don't always finish well. Because <laughs> like the first time you say it, you're thinking about it and then every other time you try to say it... Mephibosheth. Doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, so yeah, you, it, it, tongue gets lazy as it goes. So chapter 9, verse 1. Then David said... So this is years later. David's now ruling as king. Um, but Saul's family are out in hiding. Mm. Is there, David says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Mm, Why is he looking for Because he made that covenant, covenant with Jonathan. So he's saying, How, can I express the covenant that I made with Jonathan through Jonathan's household? And um, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and he called him to David. And David said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I'm your servant. And the king said, is is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who's crippled in both feet. So Jonathan, uh, David didn't know about him. Mm. They kept it hidden from him. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, we don't know what David will do if he gets hold of a, you know, a grandson of Saul. Yeah. But David is looking through the eyes of covenant. Mm, that's good. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, well, behold, he's in the house of Machia, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. And um, you should never set the bar too low. <laughs> but he was in a low to bar. He'd set the bar low for his expectation of what God was going to do to him. All right. Just... Anyone got that? Good. Then da King David sent and brought him from the house of Machia, the son of Amiel, from the low bar. Um, and Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Okay. So they bring him. He's crippled. He's grown. He's an mm -hmm. adult now. Yeah. But he, for, he's been forever told, you know, the story. Yeah. And he's, um, he's crippled because of the fear of David. Mm. It's his whole life is yeah. wrapped up in this. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, fell on his face, prostrated himself, and said, and David said, hey, Mephibosheth. He said, here is your servant. And David said, don't fear. <laughs> I'm not going to kill you. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, he's like, but he's like, no, no, no. He said, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, mm. Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather saw, and you shall eat at my table mm. regularly. Why? Because of his amazing guy. Why? Because he's such a, he's thought good. No, because of the covenant, covenant that God has established with Jonathan. Mm. And um, he's, 
again, he prostrated and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? I'm, I'm not worthy of this. Then the king called Saul's servants even and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and all to his house, I have given your master's grandson. And um, basically you're going you're gonna to look after his garden. You're going to have your, your family going to take care. Mm. Um, and so Ziba said, all right, so I'll do that. And um, so, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. All right? Um, and I always loved what Malcolm Smith used to do. He said, imagine that tea table. That dinner table. Mm. When they'd all gather around and all the sons would be there, and there in the middle is Mephibosheth. And all the sons are like, What in the world is a son of Saul doing amongst us? <laughs> what you know what I mean? <laughs> do you see do you see what's going on here? Do you see? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, give him a table in the servants' quarters. <laughs> give him a table somewhere else. Don't he's he's been made one of us. He doesn't deserve to be one of us. Mm. And um, and he said, you know, what it would be like um, in the, you know, the next day he's, you know, on his crutches and he's sort of work, walking his way through a palace corridor and he bumps into one of the David's sons. And David's son says, you don't deserve to be here. You know that, don't you? You, you shouldn't be here. Mm, that's not right. You're a dead dog and we all think you're a dead dog. You think you're a dead dog. I think you're a dead dog. You should not be here. You should not be here. All right? And I always loved the response that, you know, Malcolm Smith said, you know, how, how can Mephibosheth respond to that? And he says, because the answer is, you're, you're right. Mm. But he says, the next time you see your dad reach over and ask for a piece of bread, you'll see a scar. Mm. It's because... There would have been a scar, a, a, a yeah. covenant. There would be a sign of the covenant that yeah. he and Jonathan had made. He said, that's why I'm here. I'm not here because of who I am mm. and my goodness or anything like that's that. That's good, yeah. I'm here because of that scar mm. and that relationship and what he has done. That is my, that is my um, entry into this place. Mm. If Mephibosheth had sat in the servants' quarters and eaten there because he did not feel worthy... David would be like, where is he? Why is he yeah, not here? Yeah. Why is he not? He wants him to come and sit and eat. He says, well, I'm only, why are you eating so little? Well, I'm only eating the servant's portion. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? He said, well, you should have heard the things I said about you, <laughs> you know, before you brought me here. You know, we, we used to use David's name as a curse name. You know, we, 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 used, to, we used to hate you, David. Mm. My legs, I used to curse you every day because I'm like this because of you. Mm. And it's like, and here I am and you're showing me kindness and grace. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't behave. You know, I, you know let me just take a little bit of this food and mm. I'll take a little portion just to make you happy. And David's like, you know what makes me happy? is if you act as if Jonathan's sitting here. Mm. Yeah, Because that's, that's how the covenant works. You, you're here not because of who you are. And he said, I want you to receive the goodness and the the. And, and everything because of this. And um, so that teaching began to, to help me understand how covenant works, that it's not about how I feel, it's not about my past, it's not about what I was, it's about who I am in God. But he wants me to come and enter in as something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let's remember we, we were, let's see if we can go back, oh, a lot of verses. 
Um, Romans 6, um, verse 13. Present yourselves to God as... Yeah, as is on the side now because I've gone to, a diff- gone, gone to a different translation. Present yourselves to God as those alive, alive from the dead. Mm. Come those who have been, and you say, oh, but I've got trouble with sin. Don't come in your sin. Yeah. Now you might say, oh, does that mean I've got to fix up all my sin before I'm allowed to come? Mm. No, he's not saying that. He's yeah. saying come in who you are in the righteousness yeah. of God, come as those who have been made alive. That's good. And so here I am, ready to be used, ready for God to, to use me, not as a dead sinner, not as a dead dog, but as an alive person mm. that's been freed from my sin. Yeah. And, um, and your head's going, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's why at that point, you, so you've got, you've got some things that's... Um, let me just go to a, a, um, a diagram. Okay. Um, so here I am, and I've got some things feeding into me at the moment. I've got some thoughts. I've got some memories. I've got some um, past behaviors. Can read that because I'm trying to write really quick. Um, all these things feeding in, mm. and then as part of that, they can all be sort of blanketed together under one word: condemnation. Mm. Condemnation means all these things say you should be condemned. Mm. You should be condemned. You should be walking under condemnation. What is our answer to this? How do we then and they say and 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 I say, but present him, present yourselves to him alive. Mm. But what about what about all this? <laughs> what about <laughs> it's very nice. So do I sit there and just pretend that I'm alive? Is that how this works? That I've got to pretend that I'm alive and ignore all this. What is the key to all this? There's a Greek word. Logizomai. Does logizomai pretend? Logizomai can't pretend. It's not how logizomai works. Logizomai cannot pretend mm. because it's a inventory. Yeah. It's a reckoning. It's a going back. All right? Yeah. So what we've good. got to do is... When we feel like this and we say we've got to come and present ourselves to God, but we want to come feeling condemned, we want to come in that condemnation, we said, no, no, we've got to look his way. So that means we must be rock solid in what is in our um, storehouse. Mm. What's, you know what I mean? We've yeah. got to know. You can't guess. You can't say. Yeah. You, can't, you cannot say this will not get you over the line. Pastor Peter said I should turn up alive. All right? That might inspire you for a little bit, but it will not handle the condemnation. Because mm. that's that's what he that's what Pastor Peter said. And my words actually don't carry any weight unless you say, 
according to the word of God. Yeah. Okay? So I'm just going to give you a little bit, what is the rock-solid legizomai that you can say, how does this work? How can I know 100% for sure? We understand by covenant is what God has said to us, the oaths he makes mm. and the exchange. Yeah. And I want to share something else that Paul gives to us from Galatians chapter 3. And this is, this is where my legizomai really got grounded. Okay, This is where my legizomai finally got the revelation of that's in my storehouse, that's my inventory. Yeah. I don't care what you say. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what the devil's telling me. Mm. They are all irrelevant because this yeah. is what I have in my storehouse. And it came from Galatians chapter 3. So let's go there together. And you can put this in your storehouse. You can say, this is my inventory. This is your moment of becoming Mephibosheth and eating at the king's table. Not based on... See, Mephibosheth was not based basing it on anything he'd done. This mm. was the most amazing. Yeah. It's not like Jonathan who made the covenant. He didn't even make the covenant. It was someone else. Yeah. I'm not in here because of my covenant. Jesus has made the covenant. Yeah. Jesus is the mediator. Yeah. Jesus has done it. That's good. So Galatians 3... Um, and we have talked about this. Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law. You have to go back a few weeks if um, to get this scripture when we, we talked about it. You can, you can go to YouTube, um, go to our YouTube channel, and actually in the notes you will find um, what we covered in each one. Mm. You can go to our website, breakthrough.org.au, right down here. Yeah, there we go. Um, you go, go to there. And um, we have, you have all the previous messages. You can click on them and you can see a description and it will tell you which mm. one we dealt with. And you're looking for the one from Deuteronomy 27 where it says, if I do not, if, unless I do everything, yeah. um, I'm cursed. Everyone who does not abide, oh, so cursed is everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book. Paul's had this revelation. If I don't do it all, the law says I'm cursed. So, therefore, based on that, I am cursed. Mm. You are cursed. Everyone is cursed. We are a cursed people because we cannot fulfill the law. The law has awakened us to the understanding we are cursed. Yeah. And you say, oh, the law makes me blessed. No, the law awakens you to the understanding that God's desire is blessing. And if you obey, you'll be blessed. But ultimately, it shows you that you cannot obey everything. The law itself is clear. Mm. The law, um, Paul says, um, I was... Uh, by studying the law, by following the law, I understood that the law could not save me. I, be, I died to the law yeah. and became alive to Christ. Okay, so everyone who does not abide with things, so it's cursed. Ah, where does that leave us? All right? And so Paul begins to, Paul is building on that, that concept. Okay, if I'm cursed, I'm in real trouble. Cursed is the opposite of being blessed. Cursed is the opposite of favor. Cursed is where God is working against us. Mm. His anger is on us. Yeah. His, his punishment is waiting for us. We are condemned. Mm. You know, there is con condemnation for everyone who's cursed. And he says, now, verse 13 is where Paul says he got this bit of revelation. This is the next thing that came to Paul. And it's, again, based on something he read in the Old Covenant, uh, something that God said. Mm. It says, Christ, Christ redeemed us from the curse. So how did this work? How did Christ redeemed us? How? Well, it says Christ became a curse for us. How do I know that Christ? How can I be sure? Now, see, this is legizomai. You've got to know. Yeah. 
If I just say, Jesus became a curse, how does that work? How do I know? Did he really become a curse? Can I be sure he became a curse? Well, Paul says, this is how you know. Yeah. Think about the way Jesus died. Okay? That proves to us that God was putting a curse on him. So how does that work? He said, because there is a, a scripture, a, 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 you know, a truth, it says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a mm. tree. Yeah. Is the word tree and cross so that is that interchangeable? Is well, the, the word the word for tree there is actually the word. Well, it's we're in a Bible school. We can we can take our time. Um, uh, so um, it hangs hangeth on a tree. Let's just look at the word for tree. Okay, um, so this is the, the, the word that's been translated tree, mm. and it's xulon, um, and it's um, wood. It's the word wood. There you go. Generally for fuel, for timber, um, anything made of wood. So something that's made out of wood mm. is referred to using this word. Mm. So we have, we, have, we have a very specific word for the cross. They don't. They had a general word which covered a lot of things. Mm. So you have example like Matthew 26, 47. That's a bit hard to read. And, um, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a great multitude with swords and clubs. Guess what the word clubs is? Yeah. So, um, so it, it's not a... Um, uh, I'm going to have trouble going back here. Let's try. Um, I'll, I'll try to pick one more. Sorry. That's uh, okay. This is. Uh, I could have just told you this. We can, but you, we can take I, I could have just told you this. We but. can take the time and, and search them all out. Okay, there's another one. Zulon. Um. Matthew twenty six fifty five. Now I won't. It'll be a bit hard to read because I won't. I'll, I'll keep it in the middle here. At that time, Jesus said to the multitudes, "Have you come out with swords and clubs again?" So this way I can um, don't have to jump around. Um, swords and clubs. I just turned the swords and clubs. Swords and clubs. Um, stocks or wooden blocks with holes in which the feet and sometimes the hands and necks and prisoners were confined. So a stock, mm. and the stock was made out of wood. So Acts 16.42 says, And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in Xulon. Okay, some people yeah. say, oh, he was put on a cross. He wasn't put on a cross. That was, um, it just meant it was, so they had to know, fasten their feet in gives them the clue what this thing was. Yeah. So something made of wood would just be called the wood and they would understand mm. from the context what that means. Um. So a stake or a cross, a post. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you put to death by hanging him on a cross. So, okay, this is now it's more familiar territory, um, and I can understand that. But I want you to understand that when, when they talked about this word, they were not talking about always yeah. the Roman cross, the, the form of execution. Yeah. They were using it for things made out of wood. Okay, it's important because it's the same in the Hebrew. The Hebrew mm. has the same thing. So let's now go to, because um, Paul's remember Paul said, um, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree." Where did that come from? Why is that so 
important in his, um, his thinking. So that's Deuteronomy. This is where it comes from, 21, um, verse 22. Now, when I first read that old verse, when I was growing up, I thought it said, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, meant if you put someone and they were hung on a tree, mm. they would become cursed. Yeah. Right? If, if, you know, if I put you on a tree, that would make you cursed. Yeah. Right? I, and that's not actually what they meant by this verse. It's not everyone who gets put on one is cursed. It's actually the opposite. Only cursed people are ever hung on a tree. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Only a cursed person would ever hang. Who do you see hanging on a tree? A cursed person. Yeah. Now, and the other thing that, that people think is the word hanging. Sometimes you can think about the rope and the... Mm. You like the you know, physical illustration. If you're not sure, no, have to go away. Um, so let's just read this from Deuteronomy 21. A man hanged on a tree is cursed. That's the headline heading of this passage. If a man has committed a sin, so if a man has committed a sin worthy of death, he is put to death and you hang him on a tree. All right, you hang him on a tree. So again, somebody, okay, so put him on a tree and hang him. No, that's not what it's talking mm. about. It says if he has committed a sin and, and it's, a, it's a capital punishment, yeah. capital crime, and he's going to put to death, he said he's put to death and afterwards you hang him on mm. a tree. Let's have a look at this word tree. This is now Hebrew, so um, we're going to have the same... Hebrew, um, and you hang him on a tree. Let's see what the Hebrew word is. So remember the um, zunon or whatever it was, zunon? Well, this one's just a lot easier. It's S, the S. Yes. A masculine noun referring to a tree, wood, timber, a stick, a plank. Same th concept. Mm. It's not, it's just the context shows you what it's meaning. Yeah. All right, it refers to trees of all kinds, so does refer to actual trees, garden trees, special trees used figuratively, a specific kind of tree like an olive tree. The word refers to wood for various purposes, um, kinds of wood, gopher wood, articles made of wood, timbers in a building or a house. It refers to a tree or pole on which a slain person was hanged. Mm. Now, when it says hanged, just don't think about with the rope, just hung out there. Yeah. Hung, to, hung out to dry, type, yep. you know what I mean? Um, so it's a tree or a pole, a stake, not, less, not necessarily a physical tree with branches. So let's go back and see what this looks like. If you, you hang him on a pole or on a stake, you put a pole and you pin him to it. Mm. His corpse shall not hang all night on the tree, on the stake, but you shall surely bury him on the same day. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So you do not defile your land in which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance. Where they are positioned after they died is a representation of where, where they are in mm. terms of their yeah. blessing or curse. That's a cursed person. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna die, and we're, sorry, if you're gonna die, we're all gonna die. When you die, how do you treat the body is really important, mm. all right? And um, 
how you treat a corpse is important. Do you remember um, a few years ago, the um, number of years ago now, there were some soldiers sent into a, a foreign land, a Middle Eastern land, and some footage came of them urinating on the corpses of slain soldiers. You know, which is the ultimate, like, I'm the man, you're dead, but I'm now, you know, showing my disdain for you. Yeah. And they got into a lot of trouble, these mm. soldiers, because they said, that's not how we behave. We don't, we don't disrespect mm. the dead because, you know, we, and so, um, so I don't know whether they, from now on, everyone going into battle gets a little 101, how to, how to treat a dead body. <laughs> you know, do not urinate on it. <laughs> Do not do this. You know, you know. There's there's things that you should not do mm. because that's that's dishonourable. Yeah. All right. How you treat a body, a corpse, is either honourable or dishonourable. It reflects something. So when they are commanded, they say this person who has committed a crime, don't give him the honour of a good birth straight away. Mm. Instead, take his body and pin it mm. on a pole. That's the ultimate dishonor. Yeah. And everybody looks up and sees that, says, that person was cursed. Mm. All right? You, you, never, you never walked by and saw someone hanging on a pole who was a good person. Yeah. That was, a, that was the sign to the whole community. Yeah. And there's time after time when um, people were um, executed or killed in a, in, in a very dishonorable way, um, let's see if I've got a couple of references here. Um, well, let's Esther two twenty three. I'll go there because um, I preached on Esther on Sunday. It's relevant to anyone who's watching this who wasn't there on Sunday, but I like it, and I'm in charge at this moment. Okay, a plot. Mordecai becomes aware of a plot for two guards. Um, some they're going to kill the king, so he makes them aware. Mm -hmm. um, when the, verse twenty-three, when the plot was investigated and found to be so, they were both hanged on a gallows, and it was written in the book of Chronicles. They were both hanged. Let's have a look. This is New American. Let's have a look at a couple other translations. Um, hanged on a. Uh, the Jew Jewish Bible. They were hanged on a stake. Mm. Uh, King James, they were hanged on a tree. <laughs> Using, <laughs> all right. Um, gallows. Um, Living Bible. They were impaled alive. Um, I'm not sure the alive part was, um, but the, you know, but the idea was their bodies were stuck up with a stake. That mm. gets really messy. Um, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. <laughs> All right. That's a nice image. Yeah, it's, it, you know, the image is not good. Yeah. Um, you know, and this happened multiple times in the Bible. Second Samuel four twelve. You know, we were talking about um, um, David um, and and this Saul. Um, you know, we, we just talked about verse 4 that, you know, had a son, he flee, and he was crippled in his feet. If we kept reading the next part of that, so, um, so Ish-bosheth, not, not, not Mephibosheth, Ish-bosheth, 
um, was Saul's um, son who was now reigning because Jonathan was dead, mm. so Ishbosheth. And um, he's in the heat of the day, he's having a rest. And so these two, Rechab and Bana, came to him in the, in the heat of the day when they knew he would be resting. And they came to the middle of the house, uh, they're pretending, oh, we're just going to get some wheat. But instead, they struck Ishbosheth, who's the son of Saul, mm. who's the, the king, who's in, com who's in um, competition to David. But David's house is getting bigger and this house is getting less. Mm. They have this brilliant idea. They said, if we kill the king of Saul, Saul's thing, and then take that to David to prove, we'll, man, we'll be, we'll be, um, he'll, he'll shower us with, mm. with riches and we'll reward. Be we'll be in. So they pretend that they go and get some um, wheat, but they struck him in the belly. Um, they came in his house, he was lying in his bed. They struck him and killed him and beheaded him. They took his head and travelled by the way of the Arabah all night. So proof. No, we've got, we, we've got his head. We don't want to carry the whole body. We'll take the head. Um, so they brought the head of Ishbosheth, if oh, I'm getting Ishbosheth, to David at Hebron, and said to the king, "Behold, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. Thus the Lord has given my lord the king vengeance this day on Saul and his descendants." Like ta da! We got the prize. Come on, give us some love. Give us some love. You know, I mean, look what we've done for you. Look yeah. what we, you know, we, we we've done a good thing. For we've you. had dog. I've had a dog bring me a dead bird at the back door, and his tail's wagging like, "I have brought you the prize of all prizes." I <laughs> 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 get a shovel. I don't want it. The dog's tail's wagging. That's why. Yeah. If they had tails, they'd be wagging. <laughs> look at what we've done. You got vengeance. Now, is that how David? Roles, you know, David was the one who had opportunity to take vengeance mm. in his own hands. He, but he, he, he cut Saul's robe when he was right there, and then he felt remorse that he'd cut his robe. Yeah. He said, "Don't we shouldn't have touched the Lord's anointed. I shouldn't do this." So David's attitude is, "God will yeah. give me vengeance, not man." And um, so, what's his? What do you reckon his? Uh, what do you reckon his attitude towards these two guys? I've got the head. It's not a cloth anymore. But now I want you to, to look at this through the eyes of someone from the Middle East, from David's time. This is important now. It's not just a story. I want you to see how does David view this when someone dies, what should happen to their body? Their, their bo what happens to their body is important mm. to reflect the attitude towards them. Yeah. So a king has died. Mm. Even though it's Saul and whatever, David's like, it's a king. You should not be parading a head around that body, even though it's, that body should have been put in a, a tomb. Yeah. It, yeah. Should have been, it should have been honoured. You're running around with a head. That's so dishonourable. Yeah. And, um, um, and David answered and said, well, you know, as the Lord lives who has redeemed my life from all distress, when one told me saying, behold, Saul is dead, when I heard that Saul had died, he thought he was bringing good news. I seized him and killed him. I did not like that news. Um, he thought I'd reward him for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house on his bed, shall I not now require his blood from your hand and destroy you from the earth? Uh-oh, it's gone south. <laughs> this is not, gonna, not going well. But notice he said he's a righteous man. He sh so David commanded the young men and they killed them, cut off their hands and feet, and what did he do with their body? 
hung them up beside the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the grave of Abner in Hebron. Mm. Let's do the right thing. Now you, you're dishonorable. Mm. So what happens to you? <laughs> Hands and feet cut off. That's a sign of you know great um, you know, you're cursed. And it hung them up beside the pool in Hebron. That's just, I'd like to be interested to know. Um, um, hung them up. This also is hanging up. I thought there might be a little few. Yeah, it doesn't mention the stake or anything like that. So I thought mm. it might. But anyway, they, they, they're hung up. Yeah. They're, they're put up. They're not buried. Mm. If you're cursed, you get hung up. You hang. If you're good and righteous, you get buried. Mm. And when God was choosing, because God was choosing, God was choosing how Jesus was to be to be, to be mm. you know, sacrificed. Yeah. He said, I'm going to choose a method where he's hung up. He's not going to get, he's not getting it, he's not getting an honorable death. Mm. Why? And Paul says, why was Jesus hung up on the cross? Because only cursed people are hung up mm. on the cross. And Paul goes, he was hung up because he was cursed. Yeah. If he was righteous, he should never be there. Only a cursed man is mm. put on a cross. But how does Jesus be cursed? How can he be cursed? He who never sinned. Yeah, he who never sinned. He's a righteous man. He, that, is, it, that is the exact opposite spot of place where how can he be cursed? So if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I think it is. Even chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Why do you need to know this? This is where your logismi mm. is hinged. You know what I mean? It's, you must be rock solid in this. God made the one who did not know sin, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. He made him who did not know sin to be sin. Mm. There was something that Jesus yeah. actually became sin. And if his sin... He's cursed. Mm. Paul said that. He's cursed. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. That's why he was on the cross, because he was cursed. Um, that Paul's like, he was our curse. He was actually cursed. He became the curse for us. Mm. He became our sin for us. Mm. The power of that is, the second half of that is, well, how, well let's first, how did Jesus, how did God make Jesus um, a curse? So, so Jesus is now cursed. He's hanging on, um, there, there's, okay, how, how, does, how does that happen? Um, is God... Just, um, okay, there's Mission Impossible movies are just coming out at the moment. And there's a scene, you know, Mission Impossible movies are all famous for taking a mask, making some sort of rubber mask, putting it on, 
It's not the real person, mm. but suddenly they look like the real person. Do you know what I mean? They're, they, they, they're, they're the image. So you've got Jesus. Um, let's see if I can do it. Let's look at Jesus. There's Jesus. All right. Can we put a rubber mask over him? This says, you're cursed, um, but he's not really cursed. Mm. He's just taking the, the outward image of cursed. Um, Paul's like, just think about this. Something happened to Jesus. He was hung on a tree. And what type of person would be pinned to a tree? Only cursed mm. people. Mm. A good man. Now, when a righteous man was paraded around, straight away, stop that. Fix that. That's not right. Mm. Righteous people do not get hung on a tree. Yeah. So if G Paul says if Jesus was on the tree, he must have actually been cursed. Cursed. You say, oh, I can understand when God can call, could can sort of a, okay, let's think about this. If God calls you cursed, but what happens if He calls you? If He calls you cursed, you become. He mm. called the. He said, "Light be." Yeah, and light was. <laughs> yeah. I, if God says Jesus, you're cursed. Oh no, <laughs> he's key. How can God pretend? Yeah, he doesn't. That's not how it goes. When God speaks, that's right. Yeah. It's who you are. So how does this work? Okay, so this is my understanding of how it works. Um, um we go back to Isaiah fifty-three. Because everything that happens in Jesus' life, he, he looks to the scriptures, he understands it through the light of the scriptures, he sees who he is, and um, he says, oh, that's 54, but we'll go 53, that makes more sense. Um, the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Um he suddenly says, ah, oh, he was through our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our way fell upon him. Whereas he's like, Jesus said, according to this, I am going to take your sin mm. onto myself. Yeah. So if Jesus believes in what God has said about the Messiah, his faith activates the word of God into his life. Mm. Yeah. So by faith, he receives my sin. Mm. Okay, not by action. Yeah. You know, because that's what, you know, what, what's, the, what's the two ways to become, two ways to become a millionaire? You earn it or you're gifted it. Mm. But both of them make you who you yeah, are. All right? right. This is, we, we talked about this last week in terms of righteousness and, and sinner. How did Jesus earn his status as a sinner? Did he if he if he did a sin, he would have become a sinner. Yeah. 
but we know that's not the case. Mm. Did not sin. Bible's very clear on that. Yeah. Multiple. I won't go. There's scriptures. He did not sin. Mm. He did not sin. He did not sin. He knew no sin. He knew no sin. So how in the world was he going to become a sinner unless he, without earning it? Because there is another way to have this happen, and it's an exchange. It's a gift. It's you know, and you think. Well, normally when we think of a gift, we think of something positive. You know, like we think of, <laughs> I get gift of righteousness. That's how all the time we view, we get a gift of righteousness. Mm. Jesus was gifted our sin. He, by faith, received our sin yeah. onto himself. It was an act of by faith. So Jesus, by faith, became a sinner. And because he was a sinner, God pinned him on a tree. Yeah. And then poured out his wrath on his on that sin, yeah, on that tree. Paid the price. Paid the price. So that's so it's really important you see that because if you think that Jesus was just acting and pretending or play acting or had a mm. had a tag on him that says sin. Mm. He he he, he, he satisfied the the wrath. He, yeah. What's that word you that you say? The Propitiation. Yeah, that word. Yeah, it, it means fully satisfied the judgment and the, and the, mm. and the on him. So he didn't pretend to be. Mm. He became. He became. He became our sin. It's hard to read there, but he became our sin, and he was hung up here because he was cursed. He became our curse. Mm. And some people say, "Oh no, don't, don't put Jesus there." Yeah, don't. Tell but he's, Paul's like, we know it happened because he was on a tree. That's the yeah gives me the confidence. That's my legizomai. Mm. Then, if that's how Jesus got his sin, he did not earn it, but it was gifted to him. Mephibosheth, how did Mephibosheth get to eat at the table? It was gifted to him. Mm. He did not earn the right into that yeah. palace. It was purchased for him through a covenant of his father, mm. and he came in without. It was God. David didn't say, "Find the most worthy person in our kingdom. Who can I can treat like a son?" He said, "No, no. Because of that covenant, because of the commitment, I've, I'm treating you yeah. through this love. You're now gifted this position. Mm. You're gifted this place. And um, so, how do we get to our position of righteousness? Now we can go back to the scripture from Second um, Corinthians five twenty one, and it says, "He who made him who knew no sin to be sin on behalf." that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Mm. It's the yeah. same process. So God has made us his righteousness. How? Do we have to earn it? No, it's gift. So now it's on this side. It's now righteousness. We are in right standing. Mm. We have good access and full access into the throne of God and a whole lot of benefits that come from being in right standing with God but that comes by what process? The same process that Jesus uses by faith. Mm. We take what God has said, we yeah. receive it, and by faith that's yeah. brought to us. Um, without and, and without, so Romans ten goes and, and talks about that. So that's our legizomai. Why are you able to come in and say I'm alive? Because Jesus has taken my sin. Mm. And Jesus has given me his righteousness. Yeah. All right? And I'm not... Um, so here's Josh. 
I was going to put you in um, put you in what's like you wearing overalls. Yeah. Working for the garden. There's Josh. What a mess. Anyway, <laughs> is Josh given a face mask <laughs> of righteousness? Is he made to look like Jesus? Is it put on like a Mission Impossible rubber mask? It makes you look like it, but you're not. That's not who you are. Yeah. It says, no, no, no. No. No, it's not, not at all. <laughs> it's not a mask. He has put his right into you mm. he has worked it into your heart mm. the new covenant is all about I'm going to write this on your heart mm. the new covenants are going to put a spirit in you the new covenant is all about um, uh, being, being come conscious and aware of, yeah. of who you are in Christ and, and his forgiveness the, the sin has been like removed as yeah. far as the east is from the west you know it's 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 it, it's, it's gone so when we come to God, he says, I want you to come like this. Come as mm. someone who's been made alive, yeah. someone who's been forgiven, someone who's no longer in sin. And um, so what is the answer to all this? They become irrelevant. Mm. I don't care what I'm. What I used to think. I don't care about my memories. You know, like Mephibosheth could be thinking, "Oh, this is what I used to do two years ago." We used to have the, you know, pin a tail on the David Day. We used to have the, um, the the celebration where we, you know, you beat the um, pinata, and it was always had David's face on it. <laughs> we built the living daylights out of David. We'd always use David's name as a curse. We would, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, and and and, but now it's like that's irrelevant. Yeah. All right, that's nothing to do with where you are now and your and your failings and your weaknesses. And you say, but what, I'm struggling here. God says, you do not come in that. You come as that someone who's been made alive. And your and 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 it's actually the totally correct way to do this because Legizomai says, I take a um, what it wasn't a stock take. What was it? Um, a inventory. inventory. I look to see what God's done. Oh, he has given me his righteousness. He's removed all my sin out of there. Mm, like I said, yeah. east from the west. He's taken it all away. He's forgiven. I look in the I look in what God has done me and I say, Oh, I'm just all I'm doing is acting according to that inventory. Yeah. I must now speak it out mm. and I must live it out. Yeah. And I must declare it and I must walk in it. And let's go back to Romans six where we started. You'll find this is all circled around. To the very Does, starting doesn't point. matter if we if we you know go on a tangent here we we always come back it's 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 actually all part of a big plan that um, do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead the dead and bring your members your members means who you are your your actions your strength your your you know fit, literally your hands and your mm. feet your mouth Bring these things, yep. bring them as instruments of righteousness or the word instruments can be the word weapons, okay, instruments slash weapons. Mm. Bring them as tools of righteousness 
to God. Mm. You say, okay, God, now I come to you and now I am going to live this out. I'm going to actually work this in this world. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to handle it. I'm mm. going to walk it. I'm going to declare it. And, and people say, you can't do that. You're a sinner. No, I look in my inventory and I say, this is who yeah. I am. I don't care what you say I am. I don't care what any of David's sons, when they bump into me in the corridor mm. and they say, you should not be here, I say, look at the scar. Yes, I should. This, this is what has been made available to me. Yeah. And it's, it's not, oh, can I just get one thing? It's all, it's all been made open and available and it's for me. It's been done for me. Yes, it's, it's, been, it's my provision. It's there. And, um, and you say, oh... I don't want to be so forward. Yeah, this is. My, I don't want to be oh, a bit proud. I don't want to be so bold and proud to come and say I'm this and this. I just just let me have a little corner. Just tippy toe in the, yeah. the corner, you know. Yeah, let me just let me. All I want to do is just sit in the corner of God's house and I'm I'm be satisfied. You know, just yeah. just let me just let me let me be a servant in the house. Mm. That's all I want. And and it's like God says no. Present yourselves to God as those, mm. as those alive. Yeah. I don't want you to, this is, don't come in here as a servant, you know what I mean? And How, how good is, is God that he hasn't just opened it up for you, he's also told you how you should come. Yeah. Because it's like, because if, if he didn't tell us that, but he said it's open, then we'd, we'd all be like, well, yeah, I shouldn't be here. Yeah, who am I to say this? Well, it's nothing to do with you. It's the scar. Scar. It's good. It's, it's the covenant. It's it's not. Uh, and and if you don't do it, God's like, what are you doing? Mm. This is what I've paid yeah. for. This is what I've done. I've actually intended, and I want you to come in that life, and I want you to, you know, and, and if anything the enemy's throwing at you, and anything you're struggling with, you bring it all, and you say, but you know what? The truth is, mm. the truth is, I'm forgiven, and I'm healed, and I'm whole, and I'm a son of God, and I belong to God. And I live clean. And um, if you go back a couple of verses, um, look at it, it says, consider, uh, remember, legizomai. Legizomai yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right? So um, even when you stumble and you say, oh, I've, I've, I've lied again or I've done that again, or I, oh, I feel so ashamed, I get forgiveness. Mm. But you know what? You deal with it. Um, I look at myself and I say, you know what? I am fully righteous and I belong to God. And and the devil's like, what? How can you? I think, and in one sense, it must annoy him though, yeah. that we can actually stand up. And we, but and he's got, he's powerless to actually stop yeah. us because this is what God's told. He said, legizomai, think about yourself, see yourself as dead to sin. Mm. I, and so, um, I would say things like this about myself, even when I'm struggling with my temptation, even yeah. when I'm, I'm, I'm going up and down and, and I have a good day and a bad day, I would begin to say this about, I was saying this about, I, I have no desire to sin. Mm. I have no desire to sin. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not moved by sin. Sin has no attraction to me. And the devil's like, what? That's not true and you know it. <laughs> I said, I, I have no desire to sin. Mm. I actually don't. I don't have it. I'm, I'm, it's not my... And people say, you know, you know, it's like people. I don't want to smoke. Or I don't want to use drugs. Or I, I, I'm, you know, I have no desire for this. And they say you can't say that because you're yeah. you're bound by it. You say, yeah. no, I am declaring legizomai according to what Jesus has said about me, what He has done, yeah. and according to He has taken my sin on the cross. He was on a cross, so He was cursed. That curse 
was my curse and so that I could get the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't have to behave badly to be called bad. Mm. I don't have to behave good to be called good. Mm. I am good because of Jesus' goodness, and I declare over myself, I do not desire. I have as much desire to sin as Jesus did. Mm. Now, he was tempted, but he resisted, yeah. and that's how I am. I have the same power and same anointing on me. I This is how I live. I don't want to, to sin. And, and it's like, how can you say you don't want to sin when you, you've just sinned? You say, because I've got forgiveness and I've put that under with repentance and now I can declare over myself, mm. according to this, I consider myself, I legizomize myself, I am dead to sin, dead to sin, but I'm alive. I have no, sin has no power over me. Mm. Sin has no attraction over me. Pride does not float my boat. Um, greed does not float my boat. I don't get excited by um, lust. Those things are not mine because I'm in Christ and that's the reality that God said, now present yourself to me in that way. Presenting your members, yeah. Come and say, now God, use me. And God says, now I can use it. Now, the most amazing thing, and uh, we're not going to share it now because well, I'll give you a taste. All right, this is the most amazing thing. How? How can I use my members? Mm. Like, okay, I am righteous, but I feel like, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? Well, Romans chapter 8, two chapters ahead. It um, says, you know, it's the, the mindset on flesh is, <laughs> I'm still struggling here. Like, it's all very well. Thank you, Pastor, for telling me this is who I am and I can stand here. But now how do I do this? Yeah. What do I, how do I actually live righteous? Because, you know, if I go back, I just go back into the flesh. God says, no, no, you know, you don't repeat it. You start off as alive. Mm. But he says... Um, Verse 9, um, you're not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. He says, it's all about I put something in you. Remember the covenant, the whole part of the covenant is uh, he says, I can put my spirit in you. Mm. That's the oath he made. I'll yeah. put my spirit in you. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, Yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Mm. Okay, my, my body still thinks it's going to do the old ways of doing things. Yeah. But no, no, I'm alive now. Mm. And it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit and dwells you. Um, this scripture is actually not talking about healing. You know, we can use it as an extension, healing, mm. but it's actually not referring to healing. Yeah. It's not saying you're going to get your body's going to. Now, when God comes to my body, he, he has by covenant given me healing and his body belongs to him. Mm. So I don't mind using this scripture. I quote it, you know, uh, my, he's quickening, making alive my body. But the essence of what it's actually teaching is I'm giving my members to him. He says, okay, let the spirit take over. Yeah. And let's use bodies. Yeah. Oh, my body's used to violence. My body's used to stealing. My body's used to lust. My body's used to this. No, no, no. I'm alive from the inside. We're going to retrain this body and I'm going to start doing things and I'm going to behave in a way that I'm not used to. And I suddenly have compassion on people and I have mercy on people. And I love people that I shouldn't love and I and I resist temptation yeah. that I shouldn't would normally. Why? Because the Holy, it's like I'm, I'm in quickened from the inside. There's, um, I was just, as you're saying all that, I was just reminded of this uh, scripture here in Genesis 4, uh, verse 7, and it's with Cain and Abel. And um, I, th I think it's just after, maybe, yeah. if I'm correct. It's just after that he's murdered his brother. And 
and, and you know, God, God's got a hold of him, and so he's talking with God. And it says, is it not true that if you do what is right, you will be fine, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to dominate you, but you must subdue it. And the note in my body here, in my Bible here says, um, you subdue it with righteousness. Yeah. So it's like, you know, your body has done things, it's remembered things, yeah. and but you give it to God and you know, I am righteous. Yeah. And like, present your members. So. Yeah. It, it, your body says, I want to do it the old way. I'm alive in Jesus. Mm. And you begin to, but you've got to legismize. You've got to know that. And you yeah. say that and you speak according. And now you, you, your legismizing will come with two sets of facts. Mm. It'll say, oh, no, oh, no, no. You're, you're not righteous because of this, this, and this. You know what I mean? And you have to say, that's not my storehouse. Mm. That's all very well. I, I appreciate what you're saying, devil, but it's in, that's not in my storehouse. I have exchanged storehouses. Mm. <laughs> I mean? I, that's, uh, um, and if you want to see the owner of that, Jesus took ownership of that mm. and dealt with it. He burnt it. <laughs> <laughs> he dealt with that. And so they come and say, oh, but your storehouse. That's not my storehouse anymore. My storehouse, uh, my storehouse is this one. Mm. And it's got now Josh's name on it, mm. the new name, the new name that God's given me, and it's in this storehouse. And um, and they say, oh, but what about this? Not my storehouse. Not none of my not not to do with me. You know, <laughs> I heard a phrase the other day, and I'm you know, um, it says, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> Nothing. Not my circus. Not my monkeys. Um, you know when they say, "What about this problem?" Not my circus. It's not my monkeys. I don't. I'm not, not dealing with that. Um, so when the devil gives you a thing, not my circus. Yeah. Not my monkeys. That's <laughs> not me. That's good. I'm dealing with this. This is who I am. And on this side, I've got the Holy Spirit now coming in, quickening, helping me to to fill this out, mm. helping me to do it, helping me to live a life of righteousness and use my righteousness as weapons, as instruments for God mm. to use me now to, 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 to be good and to, to, to work that out. So, so I'm not just sitting there saying, oh, I am forgiven, full stop. It's now I bring that to him mm. and the Holy Spirit begins to help me to, to do that. But the Holy Spirit says you must stay with a clear legismi. Mm. And if you keep saying, yeah, but in my old storehouse, the Holy Spirit says, that's not how we work. That's not how we work. That's not how we work. And you say, well, how do I work? Remember, you go back to Romans 4, when, when God spoke about Abraham, and it says God called those things that are not as though they were. He gave him the name. He said, ah, oh, this is who you are. You begin by speaking and working this out. Now, it's not like a rubber mask mm. pretend. It's actually working it out from the inside mm. and training the old way. Yeah. That's not what I do anymore. Mm. That's not who That's I good. am anymore. Mm. Um, you know, when, when I was you know, growing up, we have Bible stories and things like that. And, um, and often there would be stories like um, you know, there was a cake and mum bought a cake. I remember this is you know, an actual story I remember. And it was like, I really wanted a piece of the cake. And mum said, don't eat the cake. You know, we're going to have it afterwards. So mum went outside. I took a little slice of the cake and I pulled it out. And then I, I sort of put the icing over so it sort of covered it up as if, you know. And then I ate the cake and then I felt really guilty. 
You know what I mean? And it was like, you know, that that was the story. The Bible, yeah. you know, like your sin will find you out, you know, because, you know, mum went to cut it and, you know, obviously found it. Or the um the guy, you know, you shouldn't, um, um oh, uh, this is another one I heard, you know, just great children's teaching. Not not in our Bible school, no, <laughs> not, not in our um, church. We have super kids. Um, and stole a watermelon. You know, the kids stole a ball of watermelon. They shouldn't have, but they ate it and they spat the pips out in the backyard and then and hid all the evidence. But those pips went in and the water came and and the and they began to grow watermelons. Do you know what I mean? And so the dad comes out next year, next spring, and says, What's this? Oh no, my sin has found me mm. out. Right? Now all those stories work on the basis that I'm trying to be good. I've got this rubber mask of I'm a Christian. Yeah. But you know my heart is. Yeah. I'm really lousy. <laughs> I'm really I, I give in to temptation. I do the wrong thing. Because that's who I really am. And then mm. I feel bad about it. I'm like. What sort of picture is that? I loved when Kenneth Copeland did um, kids' stories, and he did, his, you know, did um, Covenant Rider. He did Co- Kenneth Copeland did these um, children's movies um, and about cowboys and stuff. Now, so he had this guy who got saved. He's a cowboy who gets saved, and then he gets um, um, hit on the head in a in a gunfight or something, and he gets amnesia. Doesn't remember who he is. And the outlaws grab him and take him as part of their gang. Mm. And they tell him that he's a, he's a gang member. Mm. And he doesn't remember. He's, an, you know, he's got amnesia. So they're telling him he's actually an outlaw and he'd do this. and this. But every time he goes to do something bad, something doesn't work right. In mm. him. He's like, <laughs> so the outside says, this is the exact opposite. Yeah. The outside That's says, good. your rubber mask says you are bad, but the inside is mm. saying, I am not yeah. something. This doesn't fit. That's so good. What I'm the outside sin is not fitting what the inside is. Who I am. I'm confused. They're telling me I'm bad, but actually, when I find out and get my memory back, I am a born again believer, and, mm. and I'm a good man. Yeah. Those things were not. No, no wonder they didn't m- mesh with me. Yeah. No wonder I didn't feel right doing those things because that was not me. And I thought, woohoo! That's a kid's story. <laughs> that base. Yeah, it works on Romans. Do you know what mm. I mean? That's like, and, and and that's because Brother Copeland got it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? He says, he we've been transformed on the inside. Let's not tell the kids that they're bad and tell them to try and behave good. We tell them that in Christ they are forgiven, mm. they are righteous, and now they need the Holy Spirit just to work it out. Yeah. And they need to make choices and to not do the wrong things that are because that, that will give the freedom. When you live this way, you're the most free not because, oh, look at me, I'm ticking boxes, but it's like, this is who I am. Mm. This is, I feel most alive. And, and that's why, you know, you, you um, I, have, I don't think I've said I'm going to finish with the scripture. Maybe I did. But we went to Romans and I said we weren't even going to do that. Um, um, Hebrews 10. And it says, um, Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, which inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, not a guilty heart, Mm. a genuine heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. That's an awareness of our evilness. It's been cleansed from that. We don't, we don't, we don't, the the awareness of our evil has been washed away from us. We Mm. don't think like that ourselves. And, um, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he promised is faithful. And let's work out how we can stir others up to that. All right? 
But let's draw near. Let's come to God with our. It's a clean heart. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, yeah. I'm not coming here with my rubber mask on, saying, "Oh God, I hope you were going to play the game that you're going to call me righteous." But we all know that underneath, I'm mm. still the old sinner. God's like, that is not how it works. When you come to me to be used by me, you do it as someone who is alive from mm. the dead. Yeah, that's. That's the person I want. That's the one I want. And you need to legizomai that. You need to know it deeply. Um, you need to. Um, it, it needs. It, it needs to be a. Um, what, what was? Oh, I love that word that right at the start. Um, what was it? Uh, not stock. Um, what? What? Was, um, inventory. Inventory. That's it. Thank you, John. It's an inventory word. Yeah. I take inventory of what I am. And um, you know, I mean, we live we live in a world that says you are what you feel. Mm. I live in a world that says I am what my inventory says yeah. I am. Yeah. I, That's good. This has nothing to do with my feelings. It's, you know, like if I walk into the pantry at home, I don't say I feel like we. I have you know ten boxes of of you know cornflakes. I count them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I live in that that that. Old-fashioned world where I count things and say that is what it is. It is as it is. Yeah. All right, and I inventory. I count what Jesus has done to mm. me for me, and I say that is what it is. It is I don't right. care how I feel. I don't care what you say. I don't care what your accusation. I don't care what it was. This is. But it's now out of that. Oh, it gives me confidence. I speak to myself and I declare and I and I look forward to doing that. And um, and we, we just outwork it, mm. knowing that the resource is in there, the Holy and the Holy Spirit's working with mm. us. The Holy Spirit's making all this happen, um, and that's you know goes back to Acts chapter one, um, chapter one when Jesus said, "I'm going, but I'm giving the Holy Spirit." And what will He do? He will come and empower you mm. to be able to be my witness. Yeah, I'm gonna He's gonna come in and give you that ability. Because, you know, otherwise you're sort of left and like, oh, I'm righteous, but now how do I make this work? How do I stop doing the old things? How do I, mm. you know, he says the Holy Spirit will help you. Makes you a new creation. Oh, the Holy Spirit, he, he does it and he's just amazing at it. Mm. And he's the master at getting us over difficulties, dealing with flesh that just is, you know, the, the, old, the old man that wants to hang on. Yeah. He's the master at cutting that off mm. and dealing with it so that it just becomes something you left in the dust mm -hmm. and now... You're just walking in righteousness. But, you know, sometimes those old behaviors, those old ways, they, they hang on. He's the master. He knows how to get them off. He knows how to, to strip them away. Yeah. All right? Mm. Just work with him. and But you've got to do it as someone who's alive. Yeah. All right? If you say, Holy Spirit, can you do it for me? But I'm just a lousy sinner. He's yeah. like, ah, I can't and work with that. From what I see, that there's an order that you do that. You don't like you do that first, and then those things are stripped off, perhaps. Yeah. But if you try and strip them off, and then you do that, yeah, like there's a, like a disconnect uh, in it. The, the old, the old, and if you go back to the ways of the law, if you try and mix, you know, we go back to some of our old teaching, um, even in this series about you know you can't, that you cannot um, have two be in two houses. Yeah. You can't be you can't do it in both yeah. sides. You can't say I'm going to clean myself up, and then I'll get the Holy Spirit mm. to help. Holy Spirit, like that's not how it works. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You come with it all, you get cleansed of it, you get washed of it, and you and let me help you. This is not, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make God proud of me. Mm. Uh, it's not gonna work. It's just never gonna work. But you say, but you come as an alive person. And um, so I was wanting to get to Psalm 103. We're not gonna do that today. Um, but you can maybe read that and think about because Psalm 103 says, Don't forget not any of his benefits. 
forget none mm. of all the benefits and the things that God has for us. Um, so you can um, begin. This is just what we, we've just started here. Yeah. But think of all the benefits, yeah. everything he's done. He's healing me. He's giving me, he's renewing my youth as the eagle, all those things. Um, we will maybe talk about those and we'll say, why can we legizomize those? Why can we be sure that God has healed me? Mm. How can I say that he's healed me? How can I say, we're sort of forgiven. It says yeah. he will forgive me. And that the scripture that you talk about, East from the West, yep. that's in Psalm 103. Yes. All right, that's where that comes from. It's like that's that's how far God has removed my sin from me. That's how I know I legizomai. So we have legizomied forgiveness and righteousness. But what about healing? What about strength? What mm. about favor? What about all the good things? Well, we we need to we need to know how they are in our storehouse too. Yeah. So we will look at those and explore those over the next um, you know lessons when we will dive in and say, how do I know these are things that are in my storehouse, in my pantry? Amen. Well, Josh, why don't you pray for the people? And um... God, we, we just thank you for, um, you have just done so much for us. You, you've, you've forgiven us. You've, you've saved us. You've, um, you've removed the curse from us. And we are blessed. We are not cursed. We are blessed. And Father God, that you have taken those chains off of us. And so we choose, Father, not to pick those chains up. But we want to live in the freedom that you have paid for us, Jesus. We thank you for that. And that we are no longer in, in that um, inventory, in that storehouse. We are in a new storehouse, your storehouse, Father God. And we thank you for that everything has been made available to us. You are so good to us. We love you, Father, um, and we appreciate you. And we look forward to gathering again in your name. Amen. Amen.